Welcome to the GSBA podcast. We're back again with Angela and Scott. Welcome, guys. We're glad to have you. And let's get right into it. Um, there's been a lot going on. I know. Um, I want to start in on some of the notable pieces of legislation. What have you guys been seeing? What's been going on? Uh, the most recent notable one is one that a lot of people have been waiting for for a while, and that's changes to the assessments, the number of assessments they re- we require. Um, Governor Kemp and the state superintendent, Richard Woods, uh, worked together on this one. Um, they're going to uh, decrease the number of assessments that are required. Right now we have more than we are federally required to do. So this would end the fifth grade social studies test. Um, got rid of four of the end of course tests and the state board will decide which ones we keep. Um, it also would allow the state board to decide whether or how much to count the end of course test um, in the student's final score. Right now it's required to count 15%, but this would allow the state board to take another look at that and decide what they wanted to do with that. Um, also changes the testing schedule a little bit. The milestones would be given um, the last uh, 25 days, I think it is, of of school. Yeah, the last five weeks of school. Yeah, okay. And then the end of course test uh, schedule would still be flexible to allow for various situations. Uh, Is there something else in there? I think that's pretty much it. Those are the highlights anyways. Okay, yeah. Oh, the milestones will be shorter because they've taken out those norm reference questions that had been added into it. Um, so the test itself will be shorter. Yeah, so we had that. Um, the governor announced that in a press conference Tuesday afternoon. Um, we've also had um, two pieces of return to work legislation that came, came through the House Retirement Committee. Um, they ended up kind of combining two of those into one bill, um, House Bill 336. Um, Representative Shaw Blackman, is, his name is on that one. I think um, the bill that kind of morphed into a committee substitute of sorts. So, whereas one piece of legislation um, by Representative Belton would look would allow return to work for steam fields, and uh, Representative Blackman's would allow any teacher to return to work. They've kind of there's kind of been a middle ground proposed by the retirement chairman uh, Tommy Benton that would make it steam and high needs can return to work after a um, 12-month waiting period and that high needs definition would be, would be made by the the PSC and the Department of Education a kind of a joint effort there and they would come out with that to uh, kind of show which fields and which which areas would allow uh, return to work and the 12-month ma- waiting period is to kind of cut down on any um, appropriation that we need to kind of cut down on any f- um, fiscal responsibility of the state they think um, would arise from allowing those people to return to work after retiring immediately. Yeah, and another provision of that, and this is one I've gotten some emails about, um, that the employer would have to pay both the employer and the employee portion of TRS for those who are returning to work. And I know that some of you don't like that part. Uh, That part will not change, I can tell you that much. While we may tinker with who can return to work, that part has always been the same in every proposal that we've had. Um, Right now, those of you who have hired 49% uh, return to work personnel, nobody is paying TRS on that amount. And so if they come back full time, TRS does have to have a payment for that. Um, And also just a reminder that those salaries are negotiated. 
and so you can set it wherever you want to set it <laughs> and hire somebody that will work for that right there's some <laughs> confusion on when the committee meetings happen they would say oh if you bring these people back you bring them back at 100 percent salary but it is it is the board in, in the school districts for you know role there to negotiate salary so it's not necessarily 100 percent of the salary at the retired teachers that will come back uh, that they'll get paid right right okay the uh another bill it, it passed can i interrupt you right there sure. angela um it does uh it does supposed to save some money to the districts for example if the um teachers are coming back um and you don't have to hire a new teacher is it is it just even out are they saving a lot of money or what it depends i mean it's it, yes it'll be expensive for them to pay the trs amount for both shares of the trs amount um, but at the same time if you're in a place where you can't find teachers um, if you can't find science math technology arts um, I, math if i didn't say math um, or whatever other high need areas picked then this would give you a pool that you wouldn't previously have, and it would be better than right. finding a sub just to to have an adult in the room. Um, and, and no slur on subs. I know that there are some great subs out there. Um, so they may save money and they may not. It also depends on what salary they set. If they pay them off the same salary schedule that they would use for any other employee, then it's probably more expensive because of the extra TRS share that they're doing. Um, but if they negotiate a lower salary, remember this person is drawing their retirement. Right. Um, so they're, they're, there's no change to the retirement that they're drawing. So the purpose of this is not necessarily to get you somebody at a lower amount. The purpose is to give you another pool of, of qualified teachers to, to pull from. Are there some potential cost savings as it relates to um, their their insurance though if you bring back a teacher that's that's retired already mm -hmm. has that insurance covered you're not necessarily paying for a new teacher to come in and you're paying the additional insurance or does it just kind of even out that that part would even out if we were talking okay. about non-certified people then there would be a, an insurance question gotcha. there but gotcha. not for the certified okay were there any other Things um, that you guys just, wanted to know? Um, yeah, I was just going to mention the dual enrollment. It passed the Senate early on, and because it passed the House last year in a different form, um, it had to go back to the House for agreement to the Senate changes. The changes that were made in the Senate were the governor's changes, um, and so the House simply has to have a vote to agree on it or disagree or amend it or do something. So. Um, the house hasn't they have not taken that up yet um yeah. which it's been over there for over a week now and they haven't mm -hmm. taken it up yet but um i think we'll touch on maybe they've had other things on there they've had other things <laughs> we can touch on maybe why here in a minute um i will just briefly mention the recess bills back you know it was yeah. vetoed last year uh, by the governor after it made it through both chamber chambers it's back it's extremely similar <laughs> yes <laughs> to, to the vetoed version so we'll see if that actually goes somewhere okay and that's the requirement for recess that's the requirement for recess unless they have already had some structured physical activity that day um, and it also would prohibit the local boards 
from allowing recess to be withheld for disciplinary or academic reasons. Right now they have to have a policy, they would still have to have a policy under this bill, um, and, but under the current law the board decides in their policy whether or not it can be withheld at the classroom level or school level. Um, and most boards have left have just left that up to the school or classroom level to make that decision. But this would say it can't be. Okay. And that I think was part of the rub for the governor and the loss of local control over it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to uh, something a little different. Um, something that that seems from the outside to kind of the pace seems to be a little bit slower. Um, just looking from the outside, just from my personal experience, not being a professional lobbyist like you two, um, is that what, what's going on? Why, from the outside, it seems slow, but I'm sure as you guys are on the inside in the Capitol watching things moving, I'm sure it's pretty, pretty fast. But we seem to only be on day 12. We've completed, we're through day 12 now. What's going on? Um, it, it probably does look slow from the outside. In the very beginning, uh, the first week is slow. The second week, they take off for budget hearings. Um, and then it, it starts to heat up. From the outside, it probably still seems slow because there's very few things that are completed to talk about or they're not necessarily at the developing stage yet to talk about it. And there's a lot of back and forth that Scott and I do with with legislators or with other groups working on bills that we just don't talk about the details of because it would be boring to most people. Um, And there's no reason to confuse people with details from the beginning that we know are gonna be different by the end of it. So um, I guess that's the sausage making part of it that a lot of people complain about not liking to see um and so i think there's just a lot of detail stuff that happens yeah i think i think so and i think i think you are kind of on something justin where in terms of the days of the session we're kind of at where we should be day 12 was two days ago i don't know besides the the break that the governor announced which we'll get to in a minute you know we would be at day 13 otherwise and with besides the one week budget break which they take every year we're kind of again where we should be i think the main difference is is up to this point we've had one um joint education committee meeting neither committee has met for a full meeting where they sat down and and heard legislation and voted something out or or anything um so that's kind of where we're seeing the slowness of it kind of creep in because people's minds are on other things i know that'll change next Mm -hmm. week under the senate education committee has a meeting scheduled for tuesday but Which is sort of interesting because there's th- an- another difference here is there's not much legislation coming out of the Senate. No. Um, the assessment bill is is a Senate bill, and that's the only one I can think of that Senate yeah, education and, and has. I, I don't even stuff left from last and year, and I don't believe it's on the agenda for Tuesday. So um, it may. Um, it, by the way, the bills that are left over from the previous year, if they were left in the rules committee or tabled from the Senate they get recommitted back to the committee. So anything that, that got out of Senate Ed last year but didn't make it through the chamber, unless it was voted down on the floor, um, all will be back in Senate Ed. And they usually don't spend a lot of time with those. They just sort of say, okay, we talked about that last year and send it back to rules. Yeah, you know, and, and that on the, that's the Senate side. You know, on the House mm-hmm. side, we talked about Senate meeting Tuesday. Well, the House, 
we know they're not going to have their first education meeting and, or first you know house only education meeting until at least February 18th because I, I know we touched on it a minute ago the speaker announced Wednesday Tuesday Wednesday Tuesday. Um, that the house will be taking a break for to do more budget hearings um, because there seems to be a little bit of a battle there between different groups and different political entities and their priorities and kind of where this this budget's going to go um so they're going to take they were supposed to be in session yesterday thursday and they're going to take off until the 18th just to do the house anyways it's just going to focus on appropriations hearings yeah um the the budget remember they're working on two budgets they're working on the supplemental budget and then the 21 budget the 21 budget is the one that will be the hardest for them to do because that's the one that has the two thousand dollar pay raise um, and that's the one that they some of the legislators at any rate would like to put in another income tax cut um so it's a little bit of, of uh, deciding what the state priorities are um, over that or if there's a way they can compromise and everybody gets something that they want, which is normally what happens by the time we get to the end of it. But in the meantime, um, the revenue is down uh, or has been or we're just barely where they projected that it be. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the budget request for twenty FY21 is actually greater than what it was for FY20. So the new budget would be greater than... Yeah, the, the 21 budget is actually, I think it's $28.5 billion. Yeah, just slightly up over... Million? Billion? Billion. Billion. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't get far on $28 million, would we? Um, <laughs> which is higher than the 20 budget, which is interesting because it also has 6% cuts from right. the, the original and, 20 budget. And in some of these budget hearings so far, that those have been some of the questions of, or, hey, we're up but you're cutting. So where's yeah, the, how the, do you reconcile um, that? Um, and the money, the, the increase is coming uh, largely from education um, and Medicaid. Um, the education budget is the QBE amount, um, which went up because we have a few more kids. There's not a great student increase, uh, but the salary schedule went up. Salary schedule the, went up. With and, a raise from last year. Right. And they're projecting to go up again with the $2,000 raise, right. which is another increase. But they're also, uh, during some of these budget hearings, Department of Ed staff has, has pointed out that you're seeing an increase in some of these special education programs where the weight in QBE, not to get mm-hmm. too much in the weeds, is greater than just your average student. So that's why they're seeing while the rate of, of growth and enrollment is not up mm-hmm. very much, the budget's still going up for that because mm-hmm. of these these changes. Right. And the um, there are more students taking the special needs voucher, so the cost of that has gone up. There are more students going to the state charter schools, so the supplement that goes to the state charters is up. So there's several areas in education that it's up. And on the Medicaid side, um, the costs simply increase and the number of people as Georgia grows, um, part of that growth is gonna be people who qualify for Medicaid. Um, And so those are the two biggest drivers of the increases. Okay. Was there anything else related to the budget that you guys might want to add at this point? Um, Because I want to ask a question around before we get into that. But if not, we can just dive right in. Um, Let's let's talk about the pay raise for a minute. Um, The pay raise obviously is driving a lot of the conversations. And I wish we could all just kind of take a step back and look at the pay raise a little bit differently. Um, I I don't want this to end up being where we have 
most state agencies on one side and then we have the teachers on the other side um, and it's all the teachers fault that everybody else is getting cut it's not really that way there are a, a number of reasons why there are cuts in the budget aside from the teacher pay raise the governor asked for that right after the end of last year he asked for a four percent cut in the supplemental budget six percent cut in the 21 budget partly because as he campaigned on and he said he wanted to lower the cost of running the state. He wanted to streamline. Um, he wanted to do a number of things. So there were indicators all along that the governor would do something to look at how we spend state money and how much the state needs to run. And when we're looking at the teacher pay raise, we have to remember what we just talked about a few minutes ago with the return to work bill and the need to find teachers and how hard it can be. Um, whether it's subject area or parts of the state where it's hard to attract teachers to come into. And the school district is usually the largest employer in a county. If it's not the largest, it's one of the top three. So if this were any other industry, we would look at this and go, okay, how do we make sure that it's strong? What do we need to do to make sure they have the workers that they need so that they can be successful? One of the things we have to do is we have to attract people into the teaching profession. So we either have to grow more of our own, we have to attract them from other states, or we have to attract them from other careers. Any of those groups are going to look at compensation as one of the first things they look at. And so I think the governor is right to do this. Now to look at the salary and say we have to increase it and we have how much we increase it how we do this I leave it to them to work out but <laughs> I do think that it, it is correct that we need to continue to look at teacher compensation I think we need to work on a marketing package of incentives for teachers right. to try to attract more people here right. so Scott you've been trying to say something for a couple no, of no, no, no. <laughs> I was just gonna kind of go back to a point Justin made a little bit ago um, you know, this is something the governor talked about on the campaign trail, the $5,000 raise. And you talked about, and Angel, you mentioned he talked about streamlining government, and making government more efficient. Um, and I think this is his way, and he even announced when he said, hey, we're making these budget cuts last year, 4 and 6%. This is a way to pay for, to streamline government, but also pay for the things that I want to pay for, basically, mm-hmm. that pay for his priorities. And I think this right. is his way of doing that. This is... Hey, I see why, you know, if you look in the Department of Education, the educational world, you see that with the chief turnaround office, you know, in this budget, he moves that the chief turnaround office, everything over to the Department of Education, who's already doing it in a way to kind of streamline that. Um, but he also, like I said, put $2,000 in for, for a teacher pay raise. That's something he's been talking about for how many years now? This isn't, this isn't a surprise. I don't, I don't think that, that no, he and, wants and to I, do this. And I'll also say, um, which I should have said earlier, but one of the reasons why the legislators are struggling with this, it's not that they don't support teachers. They do. Oh, um, absolutely. I, I, the two appropriations chair, Terry England in the House, Jack Hillen in the Senate, could not be more supportive of public education and certainly supportive of the teachers. They have both been chair of appropriations for a long time now. And they were chairs whenever we went through the recession. And as the revenue fell, they were the ones who had to lead the moves through the budget, along with the governor at the time, Governor Deal, um, and find the ways to cut it. And they had to make some really painful decisions. 
And so now they find themselves at the place of, once again, making some painful decisions. And this governor's priorities are not necessarily the same as the previous governor's priorities. And so to deal with the shift in how they maintain some of the things that improved over the last few years um, are, are some of the things they have to work out. But I, I do want to not leave the impression that the legislature is opposing the teacher pay raise. They're, it's not that they want to oppose it. They're just trying to figure out how to do this and to meet all the, the needs of the state. Right. And, and I, you're completely right on the General Assembly. They're, they're incredibly supportive um, toward teachers. And, you know, saw it last year when they found a way to, to make that 3000 work. Um, to my point about Governor Kemp and his priorities, I think the House has, you know, House and Senate have their own priorities. They they right. talked about a income tax cut several years ago and that they were going to do part then and part now. And so they see that as, well, we said we were going to do this. This is our priority. So you see kind of the budding priorities there and trying to figure mm-hmm. out which direction to go with on a, you know, in an economy that, you know, while it's still growing to a degree, it's slowing down and, mm-hmm. and kind of where the revenue is going to come from. Right. Um, and the, just to give you an idea of the, of the costs that we're talking about here, uh, the tax cut would be, if they did the other tax cut, it's a quarter of a, of a percent, and they would have to find 500 to $550 million in order to do that. For the pay raise for the teachers, it's uh, in the 21 budget, it's $362 million for the certified teachers, another $5 million for the raises for um, the bus drivers and the nutrition workers. So we're talking about a lot of money for both of those things. So that's why they're struggling. Okay. Long well, answer for you. It, it is, <laughs> but, but it's important. Um, Scott, you touched on um, something I kind of want to get to, and you kind of touched on that little bit of tension there and trying to figure out this budget and so obviously we see an extension to the session um you know we've heard possibly april possibly may um is there any indication at this point of of how long because i know you know this is this is also an election year so what have you guys heard anything definitive or just rumors and speculation at this point I think at this point, I think it's just all rumors and speculation. But if you look at the math, if you just look at the calendar and say, okay, we need this many days, and they're taking off between not, and I say taking off in the same way we talk about Congress taking August off, they're not really taking it off. They're just doing different work outside of session days. Um, taking these session days off, well, that automatically pushes that calendar back just by the sure, the sure math of it. You can't fit in these days and be done by the end of March unless you're going to work every day, maybe some weekends, which I, I don't imagine that they have the appetite to do. Um, and then you look at, you get to April. If we're going to get, if we're going to get to that point where we're automatically going into April, that first week is everybody's favorite week. It's master's week. It's spring break. Um, I can't imagine that they're going to, there's going to be a great appetite to work that week um, outside of, outside of hearings and, and things like that. So that autumn, I think from right there, just kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit, that puts us in the mid April. Now there have been rumors about waiting for revenue estimates and revenue reports and how that could push things back. Um, all that to say, we don't know anything definitively, but we can kind of guess a little bit of where, where this is headed. Yeah, I, I think that they will try to get as much revenue information as they possibly can before they finalize the budget, um, which would, if they're going to be here in April, they might as well just wait for the March numbers, which would come out the second uh, second week or so of uh, April, um, so they might as well have that. 
They may be able to finish by the end of April. The primary is May 24th. Qualifying is the first week of March um, for you school board members who are running for re-election. So they can't fundraise and they can't campaign while they are in session. So they have a a good incentive to get out of here. And and for a lot of them, that won't matter because they don't have a primary. They can just go home and, and look forward to November. Yeah, I mean, if they don't have a primary opponent, then it's probably not as vital, although they will need to get out of here and start raising some money for that if they have a a contest in November. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, there's there's no firm answer right now. It's just a lot of of guesswork, and we'll see and, and go from there. Yeah, it sounds sounds like this this budget has gotten a little difficult for everybody involved. So, I guess we'll see how things mm-hmm. pan out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm going to take over the questioning, Justin, this time around because y'all, I've, I've I've been here in Atlanta, but y'all just got back from Washington D.C. and I know it's been an exciting time up there. Um, you were up there for the NSBA Advocacy Institute, the annual trip uh, every January, February. So, and y'all were on the Hill Tuesday visiting with your senators and uh some some house members so i've got to ask it was a the last few weeks i've mentioned in the capitol watches i've been putting out this week it's been a crazy week for your political fan you know the iowa caucus on monday and whatever that turned out to be (laughs) um you had tuesday was state of the union and impeachment hearings and wednesday the day after you were on the hill the uh acquittal of of president trump from on those charges uh how was your trip how was the time on the hill what was the atmosphere up there like uh for folks who didn't get to go? Uh, it was a great trip, and it was interesting to be there Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday morning we met with the senators. Um, to be there the day that the State of the Union address was that night, and that morning the Senate was hearing uh, closing arguments. So um, it was much quieter than I've yeah, ever seen it. I would it. agree. I would agree. Um, I think the closest to it was I went to... Washington in October of 2001. So I was there a month after 9-11 and it was a ghost town then. Um, It wasn't quite a ghost town this time because NSBA was there um, as long as some other conferences. But when we walked into the Russell building, which is the Senate building, the guards were bored. There, There was nothing going on. It was quiet in the hallways. Didn't see any senators running around like no, we normally no do. No, there were no protests in the last two years we've been there. There were protests everywhere. Um, I guess everybody just wore themselves out and went home or just collapsed somewhere. I don't know. Um, but um, the senators uh, left the floor long enough to come and meet with us. And we had a great meeting with both of them. It was nice to meet our new senator, Kelly Leffler. Um, and she's filling uh, Senator Isaacson's spot until November when she will face a race. Senator Perdue is up for re-election this, uh, this year, so um, he will be on the ballot also in November. He will also have to go through a primary. Um, she will not go through the May primary. So she's learning her way and just learning about uh, the various issues and how Congress works, how the Senate works in particular, and got a baptism by fire since so she walked into the impeachment trial. Um, so she hasn't seen it in its normal schedule yet. Uh, but uh, it was great meeting with them, uh, talking with them over the issues, one of which is, is the funding for IDA, trying to get more money into the budget 
to cover the federal portion of IDEA, talking about uh, some of the, the uh, federal statutes around teachers to try to use that for in, in incentivizing uh, the loan programs, uh, ensuring the Title II money in the Higher Education Act remains there. The president has opposed that uh, and has recommended uh, deleting that, um, but Congress has not. Um, so just talking to them about the issues we have in Georgia. Justin? No, I think you covered... I think you covered everything. Um, it was a good meeting. Um, the board members who represented did a great job with their discussions with the senators and, and also when as they went out to talk to their congresspeople. So I think it was a successful trip. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I agree. Um, NSBA also proposed uh, or commissioned a poll, a public opinion poll. Uh, so we got a national poll uh, regarding um, opinions, uh, feelings about public education. It came back very positive and we'll uh, be posting a link to that in Capital Watch. Yeah. Well, um, Scott, I know we've got a trip coming up for our board members um, and GSBA membership. I uh, wonder if you might be able to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we're going to do a, a, a GSBA trip to DC coming up in September. Once they get back from the August recess, kind of before It'll be kind of in the middle of the election craziness, but kind of before they go back home and, and finish campaigning. So we're going to take a trip up there, take a few days, and we're going to have um, a nice program built for, for GSBA members, and then we're going to do a Hill Day. We're going to try to build in a little fun activity as well, to, to in, a Richmond activity, and enjoy some of D.C. that sometimes we don't get to do when we go up to this NSBA event because we're in meetings all day, but I think we're looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good a good setup and a good, good trip for us. Hopefully we get moving annually going forward. Yeah, it's September 13th through 15th, I believe. 14th through 16th. 14th through 16th, yeah. sorry. Uh, so you can go ahead and, and uh, mark your calendars, and we will be sending, getting the registration for that set up and sending out more information about it. Yeah, we're going to save the data out, and we'll get more information, get hotel information for those who registered. Um, we do have limited spots, so if you are interested, you know, keep an eye on that and kind of jump on it as soon as possible so we can make sure you get a spot. All right, well, any final thoughts any anything we want to add i'm good all right well uh we're coming to you from the shadow of the gold dome from the sloppy floyd building and thanks for joining us um for more podcasts listen wherever podcasts are available or on gsba.com we're here across the street from the capitol uh, for episode eight of the GSBA podcast. Welcome back, Angela, Scott. Um, I know there's been a lot going on, so I'm just going to turn it over to you guys to walk us through. Okay. We have a lot of bills that we just keep hearing over and over again as they go through the various stage of subcommittee or committee or get worked on. And one bill that we followed since the very beginning in the session that has had a lot of work and a lot of changes, um, been back and forth, the return to work bill. Finally got out of committee this morning again and we'll go to house rules to get its place on the calendar. Yeah, this one has gone through a lot of changes. It passed out of committee at one point, then they brought it back, and then it was on the agenda, then it was pulled from the agenda, and it was back on the a secret agenda, I guess, because it wasn't ever published online. Uh, <laughs> this morning, um, it was finally passed out with a few changes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing stayed from the last version of it. The uh, retiree will have to stay out for a year before they could come back to work. Uh, they would be uh, eligible to be hired for from the area of the highest need for their RESA. The Department of Education and Professional Standards Commission will work together to name those areas of highest need for each RESA, and it'll be based on a five-year average from a, from surveys they do in the districts. Yeah, so there was the yeah, and there was some debate amongst the members on whether or not this would cost TRS money or save TRS money. Even though the actuarial study came out that said it will it'll be revenue neutral, cost neutral toward toward TRS. Yeah, and just one reminder about this bill that has remained true across all the versions of it that um, if a district does hire the retiree and bring them back to work 100% of the time, the district will be responsible for paying the TRS for the employer and the employee share. Um, so there's a cost to you for using this method, uh, assuming that it passes and you have it available to you, but it does give you another option for ways to find teachers. Right, and uh, another area that we've been kind of paying attention to the last uh, I feel like I feel like I'm always in a ways and means committee room. Um, you are. Yeah. <laughs> Was the uh, were two bills from uh, Chairman Ron Stevens regarding uh, property tax assessments. Um, one would be the constitutional amendment that would go on the ballot this November, and the other would be the authorizing le- legislation that would go into state law that would uh, change the evaluation of a proper property for 65 and older at 20 percent instead of 40 percent now it's important to note that this is a um, permissive to a degree it allows the local boards to call for the referendum at a, at a local level and it doesn't rec- automatically trigger it it's up to the local boards to make that decision right and for the noise um, I apologize it's amazing it's always quiet when we start and then it starts getting noisy um, one of the reasons that we want to talk about this on the podcast though was it's a fairly straightforward bill but we have gotten some questions about why we've gone along with it and haven't uh, opposed it uh, since it does have the potential of limiting the local revenue and the reason is we worked with the author on it uh, we made sure that it was an option for the local board to do it there's no requirement that this referendum be called and we wanted to make sure that it was clear in the language that the local board was the one who called the referendum not yes. a elections official or anybody else that it was the local board of education who called for the referendum right and he was immediately willing to to make that clear um, and to add that amendment to it most of the districts already have some sort of senior tax exemption we did a survey last fall to look at what exemptions are already in place for seniors um, because this has been a growing issue in districts where there has been one in place already so the ones who already have something in place they've got it if they wanted to try something different if this passes they could try this option Um, And the other thing that we had to consider was that if it passed the pressure on local boards to do this, if they didn't have something in place, but the truth is they already have pressure on them to do this. Um, And so if they don't have something in place, if this passes and seniors are coming to them to say, do this, do something for us, they could do this rather than going through the local legislation route. But they can also still do the local legislation and, and write it the way they want. Right. There's nothing, nothing. if this is passes in November and it goes through and the governor signs the, the legislation, 
there's nothing that would stop a local district from coming in going you know what this 20 percent for 65 with no income restriction is not for us we want to bump that age up to 70 or we want an income restriction you can Mm -hmm. still go through local legislation there's nothing stopping that from happening right so another bill popped up this morning that uh, we've seen before and kind of expected to see this session the tim tebow bill Um, noted baseball player tim tebow (laughs) (laughs) um the uh, chairman of education dropped it and he does not refer to it as a tim tebow bill um, since tebow was from florida Um, he calls it the equal opportunity for access and education act it's really more the equal opportunity for access to extracurricular activities at public schools that they do not want to go to Um, but They okay. had the opportunity to access that school. <laughs> putting that out for the record. They want to access that. So I, I, I will say, um, all joking aside, having looked at the bill, this is the best version of the bill I've ever seen. Um, he does require that they enroll in an online course through the school district uh, the semester before they would be participating. Um, and so they do have to show some intent to be at the, be connected to the school, not physically present necessarily Um, and so I do appreciate that also requires uh, that they meet uh, all the same rules regulations the immunizations and all the other things um, about it do you got anything else I think you covered most of it I know there's the the online requirement and the you know the, the 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 there's some question in the language for me about the you know they they say they have to try out but then they're i'm curious if they're going to clear up some of that language that clarifies if you don't if you try out and don't make it you don't make it period right right um they certainly would have no more right to automatically make a team than a student there was some question on that in the past versions where the Mm -hmm. wording was you kind of had to take them if they decided they want to play you couldn't say hey you're not good enough yeah sorry about it but yeah, and uh, we'll be talking to the chairman about that. He's very good about taking comments and listening to them. Um, so we'll talk to him about that. Um, the budget is ever-present and still in the we-don't-know-what-we're-going-to-do stage. Um, a lot of talking going on across both chambers. The Senate has the supplemental budget. Uh, they should be getting pretty close i would think yeah, to finishing they, that and bringing bringing it had, out for view yeah they had hearing one hearing that uh education subcommittee did anyways on the amended 21 and they even made the comment there's not a lot of room to work with here there's not a, there's not a lot of moving parts on this one so yeah. i would imagine they get through that one pretty quickly um, yeah i would think so so maybe by the end of next week somewhere uh let's say we're in session four days next week four days as of right now we are in session four days next week but rumors are always abound so who knows yeah there's a rumor that the schedule's about to change again and they might take a little bit more time off um to work to focus on the budget um we'll see i we've we've talked about this internally but i just and every kind of the feeling around here, even among some of the senators and representatives, is they are ready to get out of here mm-hmm. already. We're not even <laughs> to crossover yet. We just hit day twenty-one today, and they definitely don't want to be here for the Masters, and they want to yeah. leave for spring break. So yeah, the time yeah. there's a little bit of a time crunch there when we start looking at those numbers. A yeah, bit. and another interesting thing coming up next week is qualifying week. So if you're a board member and you're running for re-election next week, is your week to go qualify to run. 
<clears throat> but it will be interesting here to see how many people are running again, how many are, are choosing to go on to something else. We've already had a few announcements of uh, people who won't run again. Senator Jesse Stone announced a week or so ago that he would not run again. Uh, this morning, Senator Ellis Black said that he would not be running again. Um, and I'm sure there are some more that I have it that yeah. that I just don't Ke- recall. Kevin Tainer is oh, running, that, oh, for, right. uh, running for House. Congress. Yeah. Um, like we're missing a big one yeah I, I do feel like we're missing a big one if it comes to us before we end this we'll let you know but anyway if you're uh, if you're I'm out sure there we'll listening we didn't talk about you about, apologies more about who's coming and who's going i guess we haven't talked about the voucher bill yet um uh the hearing was packed as often happens for um school choice bills yeah um, that was a very full uh committee room and mm-hmm. you know, the chairman did a great job trying to allow as many people to speak as possible but he just ran out of time and it's just yeah, the nature he, of the beast a little bit they have to book their rooms for a certain length of time because obviously a lot of there are a lot of committees who want the rooms and most rooms are set up now for a webcast but some are not so they definitely try to schedule the committees into those that are set up so that they can webcast the meeting. And that meeting is online, by the way, in the archives under the Senate Education Committee. So you can watch it if you want to do that. Um, but he did a good job of balancing. Frequently, when there are a lot of people here, they make sure that they let all the visitors speak before they give us time. The people, the lobbyists who are here all the time. Um, and can talk yeah, to them they at can, any point. They'll come and, and talk so, to the professional lobbyist yeah. um, you and, know, and throughout so, the week. And so it, it, was, it was not a problem, but it, it was um, whenever the special needs voucher bill is up for changes, it's always heartbreaking to hear the stories when people come to talk about the, th- the things that happened to them, the things that did not work in the public school setting or the private, in this case, uh, in one instance, the private setting. Um, and it's difficult to see children who have been hurt or hear about children being hurt and not being cared for. Um, of course, we always have to remember we're only hearing one side of the story. Um, and so it, PK, the, the chair of Senate Ed, really uh, was very respectful and gave everybody plenty of time to tell their story. And that's what he said to them. He said, just tell us your story. And so that one, uh, no vote was taken. Uh, we talked to him this morning, and he said that he will hold another meeting um, to continue the testimony on it and make some changes to it. They already know some of the changes they want to make to it. So it, if it moves, it won't look like it did uh, when it first came out, and we'll certainly keep you updated on what's coming with that bill and the others for that matter and any action you need to take. That sounds good. Um are there any any other items that might be worth noting? Mm, that about covers it for me. I just had one question okay. as far as the, the budget is concerned. Has some of the controversy settled a little bit, or is it just more of, of disagreements on priorities, uh, just trying to find some common ground um, that's kind of holding that process up? Yes. <laughs> I think there's... I, I think they're trying to find common ground. I think that um, they actually all have the same priority. Um, uh, For the majority party in particular, I think their priority is um, they do want to see the teachers get a raise. Um, They all know that there's a problem with teacher retention um, and that they went a long time, uh, had to deal with furloughs and everything else. 
Um, and so I, I think res that they want to do that, that they want to give them a raise. However, there is a revenue issue and they have to find it. The other issue is the state employees. Um, the state employees also went through furloughs all those years that teachers were going through it. And the teachers got raises for several years before all that happened that the state employees did not. Um, and so it's important that we be able to fund salaries at a level for, uh, for instance, social workers, to work with the foster children, to work with uh, children who are in abusive situations, uh, the elderly abuse, the social workers that do that. And we need to be able to fund that. We need to be able to have a salary level that attracts good people to serve in the corrections area. Um, and so there are a lot of different areas of it. And I think that everybody across the board wants to be sure that we are able to do that. But we also have to do other things. We have to be able to cover Medicaid and, and the medical issues of people in the state and protect education because it's so important. Um, so I think they all want to do that they're all conservative mm -hmm. and so when they look at taxes yes they would all love to, to give a tax cut um, to individuals for the income tax so that some of the and, money stays yeah and they've all said repeatedly you know this is something we ran on this is something we promised mm -hmm. they feel an obligation to live up to their promise i mean mm -hmm. which you know ultimately that's you know no matter how mm -hmm. you come down on the issue it's admirable right. that they are saying we made this promise we want to mm -hmm. keep keep our word yeah, so it comes down to a balancing act and whether they uh, fulfill one thing at the total expense of another or whether they compromise and each gets a little bit or, or how they do that. And so I think they're still working that out. Um, we still are fairly early in the year and so they, don't, they need more revenue information to get a clear idea of where we're headed. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I, I think sometimes it helps to paint a little bit clearer picture of what these legislators are working with. We talk a lot about education um, related aspects of, of the budget and, and we don't always touch on the big picture and helping folks understand the big picture and the challenge that these legislators have when it comes to putting together a budget, um, especially of that magnitude. So thank you very much. Thank you guys for, for what you do um, every day as professional lobbyists. Um, we look forward to hearing more next week. But for now, unless you guys have anything else. Not me. <laughs> We're good. Well, that concludes uh, this episode, episode eight of the GSBA podcast. And continue to look for more podcasts at gsba.com.